Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. I'd like to go ahead and dive straight in. Uh, I promise the pool is not empty. We're diving head first. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I want to begin in Romans chapter 7. These words from Paul are incredibly honest. And I bet we're going to resonate. Romans 7, 15. He says this. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. Wow. I wonder, I wonder how many of us struggle with a specific and very real temptation in our life that we are tired of, and we are really tired because we keep succumbing to that temptation. Let me ask you, do you have a habit, a struggle, a battle that you want to change in your life? Is there something that you do that you want to stop doing? (laughs) Do you want to beat The thing that you keep trying to be, but you just haven't quite yet. Anybody with me today? Maybe it's bad for your physical health. Maybe it's bad for your mental health. Maybe it's bad because it's a spiritual thing for you, and it is a spiritual hurdle that you can't quite overcome. I just want to know, am I talking to anyone yet? Because I think we're going to go someplace today. We're going to go someplace today, friends. We are going to go after the things that are going on in us, going on in us that don't belong in us. Does anybody want to be free today? Does anyone want to beat the enemy today? Today we are in week five of our series called our series called Make God First. Everyone say Make God First. Make God first. Making God First is not only about prioritizing our decisions. Uh, it's not only about the way that we spend our money, but it is about depending on God above all else in the battles that we are facing. Today's message is titled "Break the Battle." Everyone say Break the Battle. Bad habits are battles. Addictions are spiritual battles. And we all want to break the battle. We all want to break the bad habit. We all want to break the addiction. We all want to break the chains that are in our lives. Many of us try, right? It says, statistics say that 100% of people will be tempted by something they don't want to do. That's pretty dismal. One out of one people are tempted regularly. I just made that up. <laughs> There's no statistics on temptation because we all will be tempted, Right? And some of us, we try to deal with that with willpower. But all of us know that personal willpower is limited. It's not enough. And in many cases, we will somehow stop the habit or the addiction or whatever. But when we're depending on willpower, eventually, eventually we slip right back in and maybe even deeper than we were before. So whether it be temptation to go ahead and eat the whole bag of Doritos, when you should just eat a few or better yet, some broccoli. Anybody? Or maybe it's temptations, right? There's so many temptations, a number of bad habits and addictions. They are seemingly endless. Some of the things that I have on screen here, they didn't start out as bad, but they became bad. They can lead to bad habits. For many of us, the the temptation is, of course, going to pornography when we are alone. Or the temptation to respond to people with anger for no good reason. Or the temptation to chase money in order to make us happy. Or the habitual choice for sexual sin outside of God's design over and over again. Or the temptation to drink too much alcohol. 
Or for some of us, we have food-related bad habits or addictions that we can't seem to break. Or drugs, or cigarettes, or vaping, or weed, or pills, or whatever that addictive habit is that you have that you want to be free of. And not every addiction, not every bad habit are the big ones, right? It's not always drugs. It's not always alcohol. It's not always pornography. We can be addicted to this thing right here, right? This addiction is socially acceptable, by the way. Addicted to scrolling, addicted to TikTok when we feel sad or bored, addicted to comparing ourselves through the fake filter of Instagram or Facebook, the phone, technology, social media, AI, TV, whatever it is for you that has become a habit that you don't want in your life. That thing, this thing specifically has been creating all sorts of destructive habits in many of our lives. We can be addicted to Amazon Prime shopping, one-click purchase, right? We can be obsessed with sports in an unhealthy way. We can drink too much coffee, right? Even the opposite. Three cups today, my friends. Even the opposite. Even the opposite of eating, we can be addicted to not eating. We can be addicted to video games. 2018 in the World Health Organization, they added gaming disorder to its international classification of diseases. Literally, we have kids and adults, mostly males, addicted and diagnosed, wives, chill for a second, <laughs> addicted and diagnosed with disorders because they can't stop playing Fortnite. The things that we are tempted to do are not always evil. They just become abused. The temptation of chocolate, I'm telling you, chocolate is heavenly. It is from the Lord. But two fistfuls of chocolate a day, the enemy distorts it. Sex is not evil, but when it's abused and out of God's design, it's harmful. Alcohol is not evil, but when it's abused, it hurts a lot of people, not just your liver. Money is not evil, but the love of money leads to all sorts of evil things. Fortnite is not evil, just a little evil. But when we do it too much, it sits in the wrong seat in our life. Sin doesn't always come in the thing itself. It comes in the wrong or abusive use of that thing. In fact, when you look at all the things on this screen, some of them are good things that become bad things. But they represent real battles in your life and my life. Many in this room are facing, and they are battles that you have tried to beat time and time again. You've asked for God's help with these battles. I'm thankful that the Bible addresses the things that we face in life. In Romans 7, Paul writes about the battles that he's facing. And the vulnerability of the great apostle Paul to write this letter to Rome with this inclusion is, is literally a beautiful piece of what it means to be a person who is humble, acknowledges that they are human, and they need something godly in their life to overcome the challenges. Romans 7, I'm going to start back in the verse I said with, started with, and I'm going to read the message version today because, of course, it's, a, it's, it's, it's more modern and conversational in tone, and I think it works really well for what this passage says. Beginning in verse 15, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, well, it becomes obvious that God's command is 
is necessary. I need God's word. But I need something more. This is is really phenomenal. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps me... uh, keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. So this is amazing. He says, listen, I need more than just the knowledge of what God's word says, meaning I cannot do it on knowledge alone. Yes, God's word is true, but I can't do it on my own. I, 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 I want to do it, but I can't. It's like he's begging for something more. He's begging for the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to come into his life to help him overcome because in his own mind, he can't be defeat it himself. And he goes on and he says this, I realize that I don't have what it takes. Anybody? I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I still can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. Anybody truly delight in God's word? But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. They become number one. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. I mean, Paul is being real. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Is that the real, isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. Paul knows. He knows what he needs. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. I mean, wow, right? We're going to come back to this scripture because Paul goes on. He keeps, he keeps talking about this, riffing on this. And he talks about how to actually overcome sin, break sin habits, and break the chains of addiction. So the thing about temptation, though, let's talk about temptation. The thing about temptation is that it's important to know that temptation is not a sin. It's something we will all face. Jesus himself faced temptation. But I want to talk about where temptation leads because temptation can be the gateway to doing the things that we don't want to do. So temptation, check this out, right? It comes, the enemy provokes and invites us to indulge in something rooted in his purpose to steal, kill, and destroy. We got to get that. Like, all sinful temptation, no matter how small or big it is, leads down the same path to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants that in your life. So even if you think it's just a little thing, he's got a plan to make it a big thing. Now, I want to add, not all temptation temptation is initiated by you or me. Just because I'm tempted doesn't mean I started it. It didn't originally start in me. It wasn't originally my fault, right? Many of the sinful temptations in our life were unfortunately put on us at a very early age and distorted our development and impacted our habits as we've grown up. Some of us grew up eating Little Debbies, like me. Now I'm a Big Debbie that just wants to eat all the pastries I can get. I'm working on it. Some of us grew up in environments where foul language was so common that now it's a habit that's so really hard to break. I heard countless, I have heard countless stories, I mean this, 
of adults who were exposed to pornography at a young age by an adult or by an older sibling or friend. Or maybe they stumbled upon it accidentally online, which happens a lot. And it's impacted you and it has followed you into adulthood. It didn't start with you, but it's ending with you. The statistics for children, by the age of 17, 73% of them will have watched pornography online. The statistics for adult usage of pornography is overwhelming and disturbing. So this is one issue alone that has gripped society to the point that nothing can change it except the power of God. That's it. It's the only thing that can break it. I know there are so many of us in this room that want to be free of that habit or addiction. So what can happen is sometimes other people's bad habits get placed on us. But then it becomes our problem, doesn't it? Sometimes the the, the temptation is self-induced. We brought it on ourselves. But here's what I know. No matter how it got there, all temptation leads to a choice. When we make the choice, it can set off a chain reaction in our life. It's why the lies, it's only once, or it's not a big deal, or I can handle it, or they're doing it, so I should do it too, or I need to numb out just this one time. It's why those lives deceive us, because they, they minimize these things into one choice and dismiss the potential and the power of that choice to lead us down a path of many more choices. Sure, sometimes there's choices we make that are a one-time thing, but there's no doubt that temptation leading to choice is the path that the enemy wants us to take. Some of us face more temptation than others in life based upon the choices that we're making, meaning the environment that we choose to stay in. For example, let's say someone is tempted to drink too much alcohol. They want to break that habit, but they continue to make the choice to spend every weekend with their three friends who believe that every day should end by finishing a bottle of Hennessy and a case of Heineken. Weird combo, but it's what they do. The choice to hang out with those friends leads to a greater increased measure of temptation in your life. It's why the Bible says to flee temptation and to instead pursue the things of God. Getting around the things of God actually reduces the, the number of temptations that you have in your life and therefore reduce the number of bad choices that we probably make. Because choices, what do they do? They lead to habits. Habits. We all make good choices in life. We make bad choices in life. I'm not referring to choices that may be choices that we regret or choices that that blew up in our face. I'm talking about the kind of choices that we knowingly made that were to indulge in the sinful temptation that the enemy put in front of us. We have to understand that our choices can become a habit. And when something becomes a habit, it starts to become automatic in your life. For example, when you get home and you automatically start playing video games or or, or when you have downtime and you automatically open your phone and start scrolling or or when you're alone and you automatically go to porn or or when it's 7 p.m. and you automatically think I need a drink to wind down or when you get paid and you automatically go out and buy more clothes or when you see that person and you automatically get angry. Another word for automatic is addiction. Habits lead to addiction. There's a book called The Age of Addiction where David Courtright outlines the growing number of addictions that our culture faces. He states this, we live in the age of addiction from compulsive gaming, shopping, binge eating, and opioid abuse. Sugar could be as habit forming as cocaine, the researchers tell us, and social media is hooking our kids. 
But what can we do to resist temptations that insidiously and deliberately rewire our brains? Nothing. Unless we understand the history and the character of the global enterprise that creates and caters to our bad habits. What he's talking about and what he states in this book is that he is arguing that society itself preys on us, on our children, to induce addictive behaviors in order to hook as many people as possible for the benefit of big business. Essentially, he says, it's all about money, all these addictions. If you were with us last week, we talked about the spirit of mammon and how that is wreaking havoc and addicting as many people as possible to different things that are connected to money. But Cartwright calls this, and this is what's going to really connect for you, limbic capitalism. This is the growing network of competitive businesses targeting the brain pathways responsible for feeling, motivation, and long-term memory. In other words, this is what it takes to hook you and addict you to something. So you and I, just so you know, are being scientifically and neurologically targeted. How does that make you feel today? Probably not very good, right? But before you get angry at soda companies and Riverwind Casino today, (laughs) I want you to know something. Don't forget that the ways of the world are always at odds with the ways of God. Don't forget who the real enemy is. It's not companies. It's the devil who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's controlling the world through things like limbic capitalism. The church, you and me, we have to push back against evil in our lives. We have to push back against what the enemy is trying to do in us. Because we are all facing spiritual battles. And if we don't address them, if we ignore them, if we hope they'll just go away or that no one really cares, well, it has the potential to not only tear churches apart, but you and I, one person at a time. So we are in, as we all know, spiritual warfare. We have to rid ourselves of evil, not because we are bad, but because we're good. God created us as good. Therefore, the things that are in us that shouldn't be in us, that's why we despise them, because we're good. We're created for good. So in his book, Age of Addiction, Cartwright writes from a psychological basis versus a theological one. But essentially, his argument is the same as mine. He says that the world is coming after you to enslave you. I'm just saying that the world is controlled by the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. And the enemy is using the world. It's using marketing to you and your children using products, and we minimize that to think, oh, they're just trying, these algorithms are just trying to sway my vote or get me to buy a product. It's deeper. The enemy wants to get you addicted to anything that will distort you, discourage you, distract you, and defeat you. Because addiction leads to identity. Eventually, we become what we repeatedly do. People in defeating addictions, they don't say, I've failed with this thing. I say, I'm, they say, I'm a failure. It becomes an identifying mark. People in in discouraging addictions don't say, you know, I have a bad habit. They say I'm a bad person. Listen to me. You may have done it, but you're not it. You may have done it, but you are not it. You are not defined by what you've done. We are defined by what Christ has done. When you know Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, when you confessed him as Lord of your life and you've received his salvation, your identity is fully immersed in the person of Christ. 
There's a, there's a verse in Colossians 3 that says that you are hidden in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. Everyone say, we are hidden in Christ. That means when God sees us, when we know Jesus, when he sees us, he doesn't actually see our sin, but he actually sees Jesus. So it's like, he's not like looking down there going, hey, Tim, where are you? Where are you? I don't see you. I don't see you. And I'm like, yeah, I know God. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hidden in Jesus. He's like, Tim, where'd you go? You were there a while ago, but now I don't see you. Yeah, I know God. I mean, I'm, hid- I'm hidden in Jesus. Thank-, thank you, God, for not seeing who I was, but only who I am. Saved by the grace of Jesus, covered by his blood to where you only see Jesus when you see me. He covers our transgressions, our sins, our habits, and our addictions. He covers them. We are hidden in Christ when we know Jesus. That doesn't mean we get the free pass. It means that when we get, when we get Christ in us, we are called to work out our salvation, to rely on Jesus, to renew our hearts, to renew our minds, to purify who we are, to rid ourselves of the filth, the things that we don't want, the things that we do despise, so that we will become a new creation in Christ. He says Jesus will help you do that. He will break those chains. So many people think they need to clean up their life before they come to God. Mm -mm, Nope. Not what the Bible says. So many people think they need to get free of an addiction before they come to church. Nope, that doesn't work. So many people think, well, let me work these things out first. Then I'll kind of get things in order like they should be. Nope. Whatever you think you should do first before coming to God to rely on him to change whatever you want to change, it's a lie. you got to make God first. got to come to him first. Because the enemy will trip you up with the order of things. You get that? He won't say, don't go to God. He'll say, don't go to God yet. He, he, won't, he won't say, hey, uh, you know, reject God. He'll say, you know, don't go down for prayer yet. Don't confess that sin yet. You'll figure it out. That'll be embarrassing. You don't want anybody to know about that. Keep that to yourself. Eventually, you'll figure it out. You got this. The enemy, catch this. I'll put it on screen. Catch this. The enemy doesn't turn believers against God. He just delays your priority of God. That's all he does. He's not saying, oh, reject God. He's saying, just just do it later. Just do it later. Take care of that later. Make God first. Listen, temptation isn't sin. But when we make the choice to indulge in that temptation, that's when the enemy starts to build a chain reaction. See, there are many links in this chain, aren't there? There are many links in this chain. But this chain, it starts with one link. Just one. It just starts with one link. But when that choice is coupled with another choice, it starts to build. Hold on, hold on. You guys ever heard of a chain reaction? (laughs) It starts to build a chain reaction in your life where one thing leads to another. And you end up in chains, right? And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Once we're in chains, we wonder, will I ever be free? Will God ever love me? Will I ever get over this thing? Will I ever not be discouraged or depressed? Will I ever, will, will this ever be something I, I don't have to think about every day of my life? Will I ever not be afraid? Will I ever find the joy that I really want? Because I keep living in something that I despise about myself. Can I just say, if we are struggling with a battle today, you are not alone. We face our battles together. 
If you've ever made a choice, hold on, hold on. <laughs> if you've ever made a choice, one chain link. If you've ever made a choice that you regret and you wish you could go back and do again, I just want you to know you are not alone. If you have habits that you hate about yourself and that you are embarrassed by, can I just say it? You are not alone. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you are not alone. You are not alone. I want you to hear that today. If you have an addiction that no one knows about, and even right now as I talk about it, you're thinking, I don't know if this is addiction in my life, but it sure feels like it might be. Have you ever heard of denial? We like to deny the things that are true about ourselves when it comes to addiction. And I just want to say, you may have an addiction in your life, but I want you to know you are not alone. Because you know what? Addictions happen to people that love Jesus. People that are all about God, they still have addictions in their life, and they still have to depend on God for him to be the chain breaker in their life. You are not alone. You may have showed up today, and you're like, man, this guy, is, he is talking about the very thing I didn't want to think about. Why did I show up today? I just want you to know you showed up today because God sees you and he loves you and he wants to help you. And he wants to tell you today that you have something in your life that doesn't need to be in your life. And he wants to break that chain and that addiction and that habit. And he wants to set you free. I asked you at the very beginning, anybody want to be set free today? Uh Uh-uh. Nope, that wasn't good enough. Does anyone want to be set free today? Thank you. Thank you. Let's go back to God's word. Romans 8 verse 1. God's word has a good news for us. He says this. This is the extension of what I read earlier in Romans 7. He said, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the faithful dilemma was resolved, is resolved. Now, he's talking about the dilemma of wanting to live one way but acting another. That's a dilemma. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under the continuous low-lying black cloud. You don't know what I'm talking about now? You ever feel that? That's real. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, the Holy Spirit like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Who is thankful for this news, right? Come on, Jesus, Jesus, he's saying Jesus is coming and has come to defeat the work of the enemy. And I do know this. I I thought about this while I was writing. I know some people are in here like, Tim, I've been trying for years. I believe that verse, but I haven't experienced it. I get it. You've been fighting that battle a long time. I get it. Let's keep reading them. Those who think they can do it on their own, willpower, end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never getting around to exercising it in real faith. Those who trust trust God's action in them, that's different than your action, God's action in them, find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Listen to this next line. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God, though, leads to an o- into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. People don't like to talk about this one. They say when you're having problems, you need to focus on yourself. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God ends up thinking more about self than God. In other words, Paul is saying, Paul is saying if you want to defeat sin, a bad habit, or an addiction even, quit trying to do it on your own. Quit thinking you can willpower your way through it. Quit, quit only thinking about yourself. Quit being so self-absorbed, which feels very con- contrary to this idea of like we're in a pit and we need help. 
we're supposed to think about what we need help with. But he's saying something different. You ever notice that when life is bad, when life isn't going like you want, when you have a problem that you're trying to defeat, like, it's kind of all you think about, right? You just pray, like, if you've ever been on repeat in prayer, you just start praying for your own problems over and 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 over, and over again. And he's like, would you quit thinking about yourself and start putting me first? Even quit thinking about your problems. We say it before, we need to put our praise in front of our problems. We need to praise before our breakthrough. Listen, people have defeated addictions without God. I get it. But I know, I know this verse is true in the fact that as a pastor, when people, when people are going through a struggle, I have noticed a, a, a real tendency for people to start thinking only about themselves. And so what happens is they, maybe they quit serving or they quit loving on people. They kind of go into a shell and they go into this perpetual cycle of self-help and me first. And that's what the enemy wants, right? He wants you to quit thinking about the things of God and the way God wants to use you in this world. Instead, he wants you to think about the, all the ways that are just focused on you. It's a me first mentality versus a God first lifestyle. It's the God action in you happening. A lot of us, we get into that cycle, right? I want to read one more verse from this incredible passage from Romans. Let me jump down to verse 10. But for you who welcome him, everyone say welcome him. Welcome him. Mm. For you who welcome him, in him he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin. I think that's interesting. He acknowledges you're still going to feel the limitations of sin. You yourself experience life on God's terms. Mm. Woo. Everybody say woo. Listen. How many of you guys want to experience life on God's terms versus your terms? How many of you want to experience life on God's terms versus the enemy's terms? Right? Like God be first. Quit obsessing about yourself and your own problems, even though your problems are real. He says, let God be first to tell you who you are instead of the addiction saying who you are. Do you need to welcome God into your struggle, to your battle, to your habit, to your addiction? Do you need to welcome God in? There are many ways to welcome God in, and we could talk at length for many, many weeks about all those ways. But I, I created a quick list of eight things, reminders, practices for us, whatever you want to call them, that are essential. So I'm going to go through them very quickly, and then I'm going to spend some time on the very last one today. So number one, of welcome God into your battle. First, we need active surrender. Active surrender. This means you don't just surrender once, but you surrender again and again and again. We have to start our days saying, God, this day is yours. Go before me. I'm surrendering it to you. Your will be done, not my will, right? So there's an active surrender posture, right? Number two, humble confession. I'm gonna go through these quickly. We have to confess our sins, our habits, and our hidden addictions before God. We have to humbly confess and ask God for his forgiveness and his help. The scriptures also teach us that when we confess to one another, that God will use that. He will use that as a way, of course, to, to build us up in our faith. Confession to other believers shouldn't be a practice of telling anyone and everyone your deepest, darkest secrets. How many know you can be a person that's always sharing too much information? But instead, instead, it's finding a trusted brother or sister and saying, hey, I need to, I need to, I need to share something with you. This leads to the next one. Number three, vulnerable accountability. If you really want to defeat the habits and addictions you have, you have to have sources of accountability in your life. 
people who will ask you the hard questions, pray with you, and you can be vulnerable and honest about your successes and your struggles. You know, our pastoral team, we will help you with this. If you're like, I need accountability in my life, come to us. We'll talk to you. We'll help you get a mentor. We'll do it ourselves. We'll do whatever it is to help you. Number four, practical guardrails. If you're going to have, um, I mean, we all need to put up gates in our life. I, just th I think about it that way. Like we have to put up guardrails, things that protect us. If, it's, if your struggle, if your addiction is too much scrolling, you got to put limits on your phone. You got to put your phone in another room at night. Whatever it is that you need to do to put up guardrails in your life. If, if you get up late every morning, that's your bad habit. I mean, praise God, that's your worst habit. But if that's what your habit, you know, go to bed earlier. <laughs> Whatever it is that you need to put up guardrails to break your bad habit. Number five, selfless serving. If you have a bad habit and you aren't serving, you need to start serving ASAP. You need to get your focus off of yourself and onto something else, onto God and onto others. Or some of you, you're serving, but you're barely serving, and you're just more like a me first serving, like, hey, I don't really know if I like this kind of serving. And I'm just saying, like, you don't serve for yourself. You serve for God, right? Like, we're serving the Lord and we're serving other people. And I'm just saying one of the best ways to get your mind off of you and onto other things and the things of God and the action that God wants to do in you is to start selflessly serving. Number six, increasing prayer. Even though this is number six, I must say that welcoming God in will always begin with prayer. It's how we have conversation with God. It's how we talk with God. It's how we get to know him. You know, a few weeks ago at First Wednesday, we encouraged people to pray first. We, of course, had a sermon on Sunday a few weeks ago called Pray First. And the encouragement was, what if you prayed first this year and you made a commitment to do it? And we encouraged people at First Wednesday to, like, make a commitment to, to come to the prayer room one time a month for the entire year of 2024. To just make that commitment to do it. And the reason we said that is not that you can't pray anywhere. You can pray anywhere. But there's something about the action of saying, I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to sit in that room where thousands of hours have been dedicated to prayer. And I'm going to believe that God can do all things. And so when you step into that, I just want you to know we keep encouraging prayer over and over again because prayer works. It does. Sometimes we have to pray through. Sometimes we have to pray way longer than we thought we'd ever have to. But prayer works. Number seven, authentic worship. Often we are discouraged or defeated, and we don't even really feel like worshiping. I know you felt that. But if you're ready to welcome God in, to show up for him, you have to show up for him in worship. Can I just once again say worship is not about you? We come to worship wanting to feel something for ourselves, to get thr thrills and chills, and, ooh, I got goosebumps today. Did you hear that? Or we, or we make worship about our musical preferences. But I just want to say this. Worship is not for us. It's for God. It's our place that we get to drop our own needs at the door and say, God, we are giving you our thanks and our praise. We're even putting our problems down so we can praise you today. And then number eight, devoted fasting. This is the last one. I want to talk about it for a minute. Devoted fasting. I want to end this one because I believe there is a powerful invitation from Jesus that gives us some access to a power to overcome temptation. I want to quickly look at the very first thing that Jesus did when he entered into his ministry. He entered into his ministry, and most if you don't know the story, Jesus, he lived for 30 years, and he was living the life of a human, and then at 30 years old, God, God released him. The time had come, fully appointed him to go and do what he had called him to do. He's baptized. That, that moment is marked with a baptism, and the Spirit comes down, descends upon him. And the very next verse in the Scriptures, it says immediately after that, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, this is Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. So the Spirit has come down upon him, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Get this, to be tempted by the devil. Here we go, temptation, right? After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
as you are. No food for 40 days. Now, I'm going to summarize the next eight verses. Is that all right? Next eight verses. The devil comes to tempt him, persuade him, convince him, whatever you want to say. But it's a temptation for him to give in to his flesh. Because Jesus, remember, he's not just divine, but he's also human. And so he's like, I, I think I can get Jesus. So he tempts him to give in to his flesh. But Jesus does something. Three times this happens, and Jesus does something. And this, isn't, this, is, this is just for free today. This isn't even the main point of the message. But he does three things. He says, first of all, he quotes Scripture to the battle, to the enemy, to the tempter. He quotes Scripture. Then he rebukes the enemy. Then he praises God. He does that three times. Quotes Scripture, rebukes the enemy, praises God. Just in case you need a blueprint the next time the enemy comes after you, just take him to the word and say, let me tell you something, enemy. I got some, I got some news that's going to put you in your place. Then in verse 10, Jesus puts the devil in his place. Ultimately, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Make God first. Then the devil, the devil did what? It left him. So this epic moment from the story of Jesus. I can't help but consider and, and reflect on when it happened in his life. It was the first thing he did. When the ministry began, what he did is he got alone with God and he fasted. And as a result, he overcame temptation. He put a stop to the schemes of the enemy before the enemy could even get started. I know that the cycle of bad habits and addictions, they start with something. They start at the very top of that cycle with temptations. So let's beat the devil where he's starting the battle. He gets us on the jump by tempting us. So what if you attacked your habits? Yeah, with all eight of those things, with all the other things that are out there in this world that, that really are great advice. But for you, first things first says, I'm going to dedicate myself to focusing on God, to getting alone, to spiritually fasting, to align my mind, body, and soul in agreement with who I want to be and who God's called me to be. I'm going to welcome God into my battle, and I'm going to say, God, have your way in me. Because in the Bible, when you fast, and you're like, oh, we're talking about fasting? Here's the deal. This is what Jesus did. In the Bible, when people fast, they were waiting on a miracle. I don't know if you're waiting on a miracle. They were needing breakthrough or they were seeking his will. If you, if you want to holistically focus your life on the things of God, this is one of the ways you can do it. There's no right or wrong length to fasting, by the way. You can fast for, you can fast for a day, a meal, a week, for 40 days. There's something, though, to grab a hold of here that I'm hoping you're going to grab with me. He's fasting, yet when he's tempted, he's weak. He's got no food. He's got to be weak, right? He's physically weak, but in his weakness, he is gaining strength. It reminds me of what it says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, when I am weak, then I am strong. When we fast, we are literally transferring our dependency and our strength to God. Fasting is literally a way to say, God, I feast on your presence. You are the bread of life for me. I depend upon you. So Jesus begins his ministry of defeating temptation. He's like, first things first. <laughs> Let's put the devil in his place before I get started. Jesus dealt with the devil, and he'll do it again for you. Amen? This week, what if you surrendered to the Spirit of God and dedicated yourself to a fast to say, God, I'm serious, and I welcome you into my battle?
Now, I just want you to know, I don't believe that fasting is the end-all be-all of breaking habits and addictions. I just believe it's an important part of it and it can be something that God uses. It's where the battle lines can be drawn. It's how you can get serious about welcoming God into the battle that you're facing and making him first in your life. You know, there's a story in Mark 9. I'm about to be done, but there's a story in Mark 9 where the disciples had struggled to cast out a demon. You probably have heard the story. They're struggling to cast out a demon out of a boy and, and they can't do it. And the father of this boy was so desperate, he came to Jesus and said, he said, if you can do anything, I would be grateful. And Jesus responded to him and said, if I can, if I can, he said, anything is possible for the one who believes. So yeah, I can cast that, that demon out. Yeah, I can break that battle. Yeah, I can defeat that addiction. I can crush the enemy for anything is possible for the one who believes. And the father responds to them with this powerful, honest statement from the scriptures once again. We've said it before, but it says this in verse 24. Lord, this is the Father speaking, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. We point to this passage so often because we feel this way so often. You've been in the battle so long that you sort of believe. You're like, yeah, God can, but I don't know if he will. I don't even know if he cares. I know that's where some of us get. And Jesus says, all things are possible. And of course, in that story, he delivers him from the demon that has been tormenting him. And the disciples say to him, like, why couldn't we do that? In verse, down in verse 29, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I just want you to know, what does that infer? It infers that Jesus has been praying and fasting, not just once, not just at the beginning, but he kept doing it. And he's like, listen, if you really want to experience this sort of power, you want this power in your life, you're going to have to do the same. You're going to have to pray and fast. If you want to see it, because some things will not come out except by that. It's like, it's like what Paul said, right? Doing what he said, I'm going, to welcome, I'm going to welcome you into my battle, God. I'm going to put you first in my line of defense and my plan for offense. We're not just playing defense. We are playing. This is not just about abstaining. This is about, this is about living into something. It's not just about stopping. It's about starting. Are you all with me? It's about starting the life free of that thing that's been tormenting you. Trusting God and Jesus that he can because all things are possible. Well, I'm here to tell you today that there are dozens of things you can do and should do to help you break any habits, to have a sound mind, to be healthy. But I do believe this word that Jesus says some addictions, some habits will only come out by prayer and fasting. I asked you in the beginning, you know, I've said it a few times, is there anyone who wants to be free today? And I hope and pray that this word even is the start of a fresh work in this church where people are being set free of the things that have tormented us. That we are setting into motion something that won't stop today, but is only starting. Making God first means we are getting things out of the way that are dragging us down. It's time to break the chains in our lives that not only weigh us down, but control who we are and what we do. I just need to ask you one more time, how many of you know that God is the chain breaker? How many of you guys know that? Like, you really know that. You know it, you believe it, but I just want to say, we all still have to say, but Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief, God. I want to believe. So I've been praying, man, Lord, would you deposit the spiritual gift of faith today? that those in here that are struggling to believe will come to believe only by the faith that we have in Christ Jesus alone. 
Come on. So I do want to encourage you today. When you came in, you got a little handout. You don't have to look at that right now. It's really for you to take home. And it's a, a fasting guide. What we call it is a fasting guide to help you break habits, addictions, and chains. Break the battle, right? And this guide gives you all you, if you've never fasted, this gives you the basics of what you need to know to get started. And I want to encourage you to consider fasting even as early as this week. We are gathering again on first Wednesday. And we are going to take time on Wednesday to specifically target and deal with the addictions and the habits and the, and the struggles and the battles that we are facing in life. We're going to share some stories and we are going to be encouraged, of course, not only through stories, but encourage those who may be fasting. But then we're going to spend time in prayer, prayer, asking the Lord to break through any challenge we're facing. So I want to encourage you this week to welcome God in. And you know what? I'm like, Get, get started as soon as possible if you're like, I can't start this week. Okay, next week. There's no, there's no rules. This is for you. But I, I, I just, I don't think you can get to the battle lines fast enough. So what about right now today? That's, the, that's, that's this week. That's moving ahead. What about right now today? Well, we are going to act on all things are possible for the one who believes. And I am inviting faith to rise up in this room. That God will grant the gift of faith to you and to others you might believe need breakthrough in their life. So if you want to be set free, we're going to invite the chain breaker in. We're going to invite and welcome God in. So as we worship in just a moment, our prayer team is going to be here in the front and in the back. And I'm really encouraging you today to stop delaying because that's what the enemy wants to do and start stepping and start stepping into the things that God wants to set you free of. So, are you all ready to pray? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray. And I don't say this. You may feel led to come and pray personally for yourself, and that's what we really want this time to be about. But you may also be thinking right now about someone you love deeply, someone who is, who is chained with addiction or chained with something that is just a huge battle, and you may want to be the intercessor today. You may want to come and you may want to kneel at an altar and to say, God, I'm coming before you today to lift up my friend, to lift up my family member, whatever it is. So I'm, in, I'm, inviting, I'm inviting you to come personally or to come as an interceder today. But we are going to create space and time to respond to God today. So would you pray with me? Lord, come Holy Spirit. Do what you do today. We welcome you in. We need your breakthrough. We need your help. Transform us, free us of habits, addictions, chains. We need your strength to fight the enemy. We pray that you will protect us. We pray your spirit will increase. We depend on you. Amen. This altar's open, our prayer team's here, but I am encouraging you today. It's time to start moving. It's time to start moving. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.